Huh, this is the way. Uh, this has been the series. This was the way, I guess. Uh, today is the last uh, sermon in our series. Now, before we start, I just want to highlight two things for you. This coming new year, in the first Sunday of the new year, we're going to try something completely new that we have never done before. And that is we're going to call, it's called Hot Seat Sunday. We're going to give you an opportunity to ask questions and we'll answer them live. And so we want to try to uh, make sure that questions you have are being addressed. And so we are initially going to start with you submitting questions, and you'll see your opportunity as you come. Just write in some questions that you would like to hear us answer, and we will do that. And so just be aware of that. And then the reminder tonight is our monthly corporate prayer meeting. Uh, I want to challenge and encourage you to be a part of that. It's, it's, the call, it's the heart of people to call on God and the heart of a church and the strength of the church when it calls on God. And so I challenge and encourage you to be here. We don't have it online. We were doing it in person, 6 o'clock tonight. I want to encourage you that. And I want to remind you, too, that even before we started today and you came here, there were people laboring and contending in prayer at our pre-service prayer meeting. They were already praying for you, already praying that God's Spirit be working uh, in your life and in your heart and your mind. And so thank you for those of you that are part of that contending and laboring prayer ministry where you're serving the church. Thank you for those of you that are part of that. So as I said, this is the final uh, sermon in this series on Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus in this sermon calls us, if you remember, to be salt and light, to be salt, to preserve the knowledge of God in our culture. Not to preserve our culture, to preserve the knowledge of God, to, so people can know God and, and come to God and be saved by Jesus Christ, to preserve that knowledge, and to be the light that points people to God, to be the voice and the actions of God in a world so that we become light and people see it and go, there's something behind that and I want to know it. And so Jesus said, if that's in your heart, you want to follow me and be salt and light, well, here's how you do it. You obey. Simple. You obey. Now, Jesus ends his sermon in, with the passage we're going to look at today, and, and it's, it's masterful, and it's so masterful that, that we today still use this metaphor. The only problem is we forgot what it means. Matthew chapter 7, the final uh, pericope, a final section of text in Jesus' famous sermon. Therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams came up, the winds blew and beat against the house, kind of like last night, only with a lot of water coming around your house, and yet it did not fall, because it had a, a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, well, that person is like a foolish man who built his house on 
sand. The rains come down, the streams rise up, the winds blow and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. The reason this, this, I think this metaphor is so brilliant is that Jesus in it is aligning, building a house with our lives. And the first thing when you think about building a house is that houses are not built overnight. Now I married into a builder's family. My wife's family are builders. I never caught that skill. I, I don't think it's transferable. The phrase that best describes my ability at building is, I cut the board three times and it's still too short. That's where I line up when it comes to building skill. But I did observe and listen to them and actually got jobs to put myself through school through uh, Crystal's older brother. And I was part of building homes at a very small level. And, and I, I did observe this, that a home is built Nail upon nail upon nail, brick upon brick upon brick, trade after trade after trade, so that as the cumulative effect of all these people coming in and doing their work is that after about six months, you, have a, you had a, a complete a home, brand new home built. What was once an empty lot six months later, when these trades came in, nail after nail, brick after brick, uh, trade after trade, day after day, they finally built, after six months, a completed home. Now, the beauty of this metaphor is that I think that is intended by Jesus as a message to you and me, that following him is not a decision, a one-time decision it's not like, I, I made that prayer back when I was five. Oh, I made a recommitment when I was at that retreat when I was a youth. Oh, we decided as a family that we were going to, you know, get spiritual and come to church when I was 32. For Jesus, those decisions are not the sum total of what it means to follow him. They may be part, but they are not what it means to follow him. That following Jesus is a day upon day upon day upon day endeavor. It is action after action after action after action day upon day upon day. It is decision upon decision upon decision upon decision. Day after day, month after month, year after year. It is the cumulative effect. A life lived for God is the cumulative effect of actions taken day after day after day. Decisions made day after day after day. Obedience given day after day after day. It is a journey. It is a process. It is lived out over a long period of time, day after day after day. And that as you obey Jesus, day after day after day, you build a life on a rock. Now I gotta tell you, I would have skipped church this morning. When I got up, I didn't feel like coming to church. Now, 
You might have noticed if Rob finished the singing and looked around with that panic look on his face. What is going on? Because there's some days I just don't feel like coming to church. There's some days I don't feel like doing this, the right thing. There's some days I don't feel like getting up and reading the word and praying and seeking God. I just don't feel like it. But because I have done it for years, day after day, decision after decision, uh, uh, action after action, what has happened is the cumulative effect is whether I'm high or whether I'm low is I have built a life on Jesus. Now, he will judge the value of that life. I don't even judge it. He judges it. But I have built a life on Jesus over the years that I have followed him. And I'm continuing to do it day after day after day. And sometimes I just don't even feel like it. And so that leaves you and I with a question. We should be asking, how does Jesus fit into my life today? And that's what he's talking about in this story, this metaphor. Is that you have a life and you will build it. But it'll be tested and determined its value. Now notice in this story there are pairs, these interesting pairs. There's two foundations, there's two types of weather, there's two results, and there's two kinds of builders in this. The first of all, there's two foundations. There's one that is built on sand and one that is built on rock. Uh, when our boys, uh, we have three boys, and when they were getting older in the house, we were living in a small house, and so we decided we were going to buy a bigger home. And we found this deal. It was unbelievable. It was a beautiful home on a beautiful lot. And we, we put a bid in on it, and um, that was <laughs> where I lived. You, there, was no, you know, there was no bidding on the price. It was like they were happy to have one offer come in. And so they, they, we put the offer in, and then we thought we'd have a friend of ours who was a builder check out the house. And so he went... And he did a complete examination. He came back and said, you know, Ed, I'm not sure I would buy that house. And I, you know, when you put an offer in a house, you're kind of hard to set on it. And you're excited all about it. You start dreaming about it. And we're like, oh, well, why not? And he said, well, I, I checked the foundation. And there are cracks in the foundation. And there's water seepage coming in. And he said, but that's not a problem. That all can be fixed. But he said, I think... I think the problem is not the foundation. The problem actually is the sand that the foundation is built upon. And the ground that it is built upon is shifting. And so you're always, this house is always going to have trouble until they're willing to spend tens of thousands of dollars to remove and fix the shifting sand underneath the foundation. Or the shifting clay, I think it was. So Crystal and I decided, well, we will rescind our offer. And we actually bought a lot two doors down and built a house there. And so we knew that in a couple of years, this couple came in, bought the house. They did a whole big amount of work. I was talking to the, the uh, owners, and they were saying, yeah, we've dug out the sides. We fixed the foundation. We finished the basement, big debt. Like, I mean, they just redid the whole house, renovated it. And two years later, they had water coming in the basement. 
And here they were, they had spent all this money, but because the ground underneath the foundation was shifting, they were stuck with, a, with the foundation of their house that would keep cracking. And if they didn't keep spending money on it, then it would turn to you know drywall cracking, floors warping, ceilings cracking, roof and structure moving. And so they either had to keep spending money on it or they had to do a massive, hugely expensive job of changing the shifting clay from underneath or they had to try to sell it at a huge loss. A bad foundation makes for a bad house. And a bad foundation makes for a bad life. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're building. You're building all the time. Every day you're building. But what are you building on? Now the thing about a foundation is that it will always be tested. Everything we build, so Jesus isn't talking really about a house. He is, but it's just a metaphor for life. And every life will be tested just like every foundation is tested. You know, there's two types of foundations, but there's two types of weather. Right? There's the calm days, when they were building everything, and then there were the stormy days. Now, the calm days far outnumber the stormy days. Now, calm may not be the best term. The non-stormy days far outweigh the stormy days because they built a house over a six-month period. They built a house and lived in it for all those non-stormy days. And so there's far more of those days where you're just building than there are stormy days. But when the stormy days come, they far outweigh the intensity of the non-stormy days. They put everything to a test. Jesus said the rains came down, the waters rose, the winds blew, and then there were two results, right? Um, Back in November, those storms, I was 10 minutes from all that flooding in BC uh, that was happening. Now, Crystal and I went out to look after our grandchildren, and uh, their parents went away for a few days to get a break, and we looked after the grandkids. And um, we, we, you know, I was like, "Oh man, rain again! Why can't we get these kids outside?" And I had a friend from Ontario phone me and say, "Ed, are you okay?" I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, yes, why? And he goes, well, all the floods and the washouts and, and the roads going down. He goes, I, I don't know where your son's house is. I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And, and I'm like, uh, we can't get the kids outside. And I'm about to go nuts, but that's about it. Because my son's house was built on a, it's on a high area. And so lots of rain was coming down, but we didn't, it didn't affect us. Ten minutes down the road was where all the damage was happening and people were losing their farms and their houses and their, bil- uh, and their businesses. All because they had built in a low area around Abbotsford that was declared as a, a floodplain that floods every 80 years or so. And this was that one year in 80. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. There'll be a lot of days where you're building and living life and the choices you make then that don't seem that important will be revealed for their importance when the storms come. And there will be one of two results. Either it will withstand the storm or it will crumble. Now again, he's not talking about houses. He's talking about lives. Your life. I, 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 some illustrations of what I'm trying to say, maybe make it more specific. I have watched some families who build the lives of their children on sports or education or hobbies, and that's what their family is all about growing up. They devote themselves to that. And then when the storms of late teens or early 20s come, their children walk away from the Lord because they they have no interest in spiritual things because they were never nurtured in spiritual things. Building a life for years and years and years that when the storms came, totally wipe out. Or uh, we live our lives not really paying attention to our health, our, what we eat and how we sleep and, and do we exercise. And we don't really pay attention. We know we should do something about it, but we really don't do that much about it. And so then comes a storm into our lives. The, the, this week, I've been praying for a friend of mine. He was my youth pastor in uh, Strathroy. And, and uh, that was a few years ago, and now he's 60. And he, uh, he was feeling this, like his, he just didn't feel well, and he was kind of, ah, felt terrible. And, but he, for 18 hours, he just lived with it. And, but what was happening was he was actually having a heart attack. It wasn't a shooting pain type of heart attack. It was just he didn't feel right. And because he waited so long to get to the hospital, basically half of his heart was severely damaged. And the doctor said to his wife, if he wasn't in such good shape, he would be dead right now. The storm revealed that he had taken care of himself enough so that when the storm hit, he was able to survive. Right now, we're still praying for him. We're not even sure he's going to live, but he wouldn't even been here right now where he's at if he hadn't been building wisely with his life. Or how about building, when we build, day upon day, we spend, we use our money the way we want to use it, uh, we build and use it for whatever we're going to use it for, and, and too often we don't follow the guidelines of Jesus that are, you know, be generous and, and give to others, those around you, and be wise and save your money and invest it in eternal things, and instead we use it for ourselves, and then suddenly we get into a crisis. Our, our kid needs to go to university, but they can't. We've got to fix a major problem with our house, but, but we don't have the money. We're going have to borrow more or or our friends are starting to travel and but we've spent our money all our lives foolishly so now we can't travel with them or we can't afford the home that we're living in anymore or we can't help our kids with what they need and so what we've done is we've built a life for years and years and years and then the storms come and they wipe us out or perhaps the saddest thing is we attend church we pray, pick up the Bible every once in a while. Might get involved in some things, help out, maybe not. And that's our spiritual life, year, day after day, month after month, year after year. And then we stand before Jesus, because we all will. And Jesus says, away from me, I don't even know you. 
how, how, do you, how, how do you cope with that? What does it profit a person to gain the whole world, says Jesus, but lose their soul? And so you're building this life. It's your life. It's given to you. Jesus gave it to you. God created you and, and gives you the opportunity and the skills and the abilities you have. But you get to choose how you will build. And But we don't get to choose the consequences of our decision. The storms hit. And they determine the quality of our building. And that leads us to the second, the final pair. So there's two foundations, there's two weathers, the non-stormy, the stormy. There's two results, the, the standing and the crumbling. But there's two builders. There's two kinds of builders, and they're the ones that determine what foundation is built. They determine um, uh, when the weather comes, whether their foundation will be able to withstand it, and they are the ones that have to live out the results. And Jesus says there's two types of builders in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, stop. It would be easy for us to think. That Jesus is talking about people that have turned away from him and want nothing to do with him. And while that may be true, this, this metaphor may be true and include them, he is not talking to those people. He is talking to people that are sitting in church and listening to his word be preached. He's talking to you and me. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine, and then he adds something to it, and puts them into practice. So the people that hear the word, that's all of us here in church or online, that we're hearing the word of God, we're making the effort to listen to it, but he said, those of you that do that, but then do the word that I'm speaking, you that hear and do it, you are like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. It is you that listens to the word and then does it. You're the wise people. You're the ones that are building a solid foundation. You're the ones that are doing wisdom day in, day out, month after month, week after week, decision after decision, uh, uh, commitment after commitment. It's you. You're the wise builders. Jesus is saying you're the ones that are building a life that will last. But then there's another kind of builder Verse 26, but he contrasts everyone who hears these words of mine. Same thing. They're the same people sitting in the same room watching online at the same time. They're the ones that are hearing Jesus' words and, and weighing them in their mind and listening. But the difference is they do not put them into practice. You are like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It's not do you hear the word that Jesus is focusing on, it's do you do the word. That is the essence that distinguishes between wise builders and foolish builders. Now it's disarmingly simple. 
to understand, I mean. It's not disarmingly simple to follow Jesus because there are times when it's hard to follow Jesus. He said it is, but it's not difficult to understand. I just need to listen and then do. And so all the things that Jesus was talking about previously in this uh, sermon, and by the way, I don't think Jesus listed all the things he expected of us. I think the things that are listed in this sermon are representative of the way people that obey him live. But it's not exhaustive. There are other situations we're going to face. But think about what he told us. When it comes to the battle of hating people from your heart, when you're really angry at somebody and you, you're hurt by them and it's hard to forgive them, you don't want to forgive them, the wise builder is the one that fights through that, seeks God, grant, gets the strength that is needed, he or she needs, to be able to get to the point of forgiving and no longer hating. That's the wise builder. But the foolish builder hears the words of Jesus and says, there's no way I could ever forgive that person, and lives their life in bitterness and anger, which generally seems to grow in people, and, and they spend their life a building on this sand of, but, of justice. I was hurt and, and that person uh, injured me and, and they don't deserve forgiveness. And then the storm hits and they crumble because they don't have the strength for life. It's the wise person, not that doesn't struggle with it, but that struggles and obeys. Jesus talked about money. It's the wise person that hears Jesus say, give generously and you struggle, and you work, and you trust, and you give faithfully over time. You're the wise people, building a life of wisdom. Jesus said, when you lust in your heart, that's when you commit adultery. Not when you actually do the act, but when you lust, and, 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 and Jesus is saying, so obey. And what's that mean? You don't lust? You won't ever f fight with it? No, that when it comes into your life and you're battling with it, that you fight it and you seek God and you choose not to lust. You choose not to go down that path. You choose to do the right thing. You choose to keep your heart pure. And when, when it's not, you confess and you keep going back that's the person that's building the wise life. None of us is pure. But each of us chooses whether we will pursue purity. There's a whole bunch of stuff that Jesus said. The judgmental spirit, of course we've... Uh, uh, we all struggle with a judgmental spirit, some worse than others, but, but it, it's fear, it's insecurity. It's, it's like if, if those people are different than me and I, 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 I feel insecure about that and so I'm going to point out what's different about them or point out what's bad about them or, or I'm going to protect so nobody will ever guess what's really going on in my life. So I'll be hard on them because I'm failing in this area of my life and that will keep the spotlight off that area. And Jesus says when you start to feel that critical negative spirit, you fight it and you pursue me and you, you, you choose to obey my word and seek me for the strength to do it and you're building a life because someday imagine standing before Jesus and he goes you know you struggled with unforgiveness and you never ever did my word you never obeyed me and now you've become an unforgiving hating person and you struggle with lust but you never obeyed my word you never did it you never pursued me and found the strength to fight that battle and now look at the, what lust has produced in your life 
And you, you knew you were supposed to be generous with your money, but you never did it. You never trusted me. You never walked that road. You never obeyed. And look how selfish you have become. See, when we stand with Jesus, we give account of our lives. It's disarmingly simple. Be in the word and do it. Following Jesus is a day after day, act after act, decision after decision, long-term endeavor. And Jesus said there's two types of builders. Those that listen and do, and those that listen and don't. Which one are you? Stop there, listen to my question. Which one are you? When is the last time that you have been in Jesus' word and then said, I need to put this into practice? Not what do you want. Yeah, I know that's what you're saying. (laughs) That's right, I should be doing... No. When was the last time that you were in Jesus' word and Jesus spoke to you about something from his word and you said, God, I need your help to deal with this? That is the wise builder. And if you're not doing that in your life on a regular basis, then you're not a wise builder. You might be hearing the word and listening to it even now. But it's the doing of the word that builds a life on the foundation of Christ, which will withstand any storm that will come. And the storms come. But on Christ, in obedience to Christ, you build a life that is lasting and honoring to God and that has eternal value, that builds a kingdom in ways you don't even understand and know God uses you to build an eternal kingdom in the lives of people around you just because day after day, issue after issue, decision after decision, commitment after commitment, you have chosen to do what Jesus called you to do. I want to ask you to bow your head. Today, each of us has to decide when we go from here, will I be a person that is a wise builder or a foolish builder? And it's disarmingly simple. Not easy, but simple. Listen to his word and then do it. I want to pray this prayer over you. It's called a Lordship Prayer. If you'll bow and just let this prayer wash over you and be your words. And where they are your words, simply say to Jesus, yes, Lord, that's me. That's what I want. Or yes, bring that, make that true. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my brokenness and need of you. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could live. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, my Deliverer, and my Redeemer. I invite you now to be the Lord and to have leadership and influence over every area of my life. Is that your prayer right there? Be Lord of my spirit, Lord of my relationship with you, 
be Lord of my conscience, Lord of my worship, Lord of my spiritual understanding, be Lord of my mind, my thoughts, my attitudes, my beliefs, my imagination. Are those things that need to come into submission to him? Be Lord of my will, my desires, my intentions, and my decisions. Be Lord of my emotions, the expression of my feelings, and all my reactions. Be Lord of my body, my physical health, my strength, my senses, my appearance, my actions, my exercise, my rest, my diet, my sex. Be Lord of my eyes and all that I look at, my ears and all that I listen to, my mouth and what I speak, my hands and everything they touch and do. Be Lord of my feet and everywhere I go. Be Lord of my sexuality and its expression. Be Lord of my marriage or my singleness. Be Lord of my relationships with my family, my friends, my church, my coworkers, my bosses, my employees. Be Lord of my time, my work, my serving, my leisure, my rest, my sleep, and my dreams. Be Lord of my finances, my home, my possessions, my needs. Be Lord of my plans, my ambitions, my future. Be Lord of the timing and nature of my death. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you shed your blood for me so that I might be free. Help me continue to surrender your leadership and influence as the only rightful king of my heart. In your name I pray.